Hi everyone, welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast. I've got a special guest for you today. We're going to be talking about visual mastery for coaches and consultants with Graham Hurst. Graham, welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast. Good morning. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No trouble at all. So, why are you the man to come and talk to us about visual mastery? Why? Um, I guess through proof of the pudding um, for the last 18 months, growing a business from scratch, which was just a little bit of an idea um, into something which has scaled to a pretty, you know, pretty decent level with having staff, um, something I never expected when I started, which was just a side hustle. But it just goes to show that if you pay attention to the things that matter on social media outside what people tell you matters, then you can have a really big impact on your business. Amazing. So what, what do you mean by that? What, like, what do people tell you matters, firstly, and then we'll get into the other bit? People tell you it's, um, it's all, about, all about the content, which kind of is true. But then people are told like it's about uh, showing up every day. It's about being seen, being visible. But the missing a really important part of the puzzle, which is if your content isn't getting seen, if it's not eye-catching and appealing, then who's going to read it? So you could have really compelling copy. You could have well-written ads. But if, if it's not appealing, if it's not engaging, in the 0.3 seconds you've got to catch someone's eye, then it's not going to get read. So you can say, yeah, post more frequently. But if you're just posting for the sake of posting with no thought going into it, then you're not going to get the traction that you want. Uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. So how, how can you help? Um, so I help coaches and consultants, mainly coaches, um, just generate more leads on social media by cre- creating like thumb stopping images. So images that are appealing, images that look different and go against the grain. So whatever the niche is. So I predominantly work in the fitness industry. So people tend to put the same style of images out because they think that must be working for other coaches. So that's what I'm going to do. But to be honest, if you want to be different, you need to do something that looks different to all the other coaches. And the problem is that a lot of coaches follow other coaches. They don't tend to follow their audience. Yeah. So they don't tend yeah. to know like buying decisions, what, what's appealing. So they just think, oh, I'll just post out uh, an image of myself with a bit of a glow around myself and that'll do the job. And it's, they're trying to sell, you know, 997 packages with like a five pound image and it just doesn't sell. Oh, that, that's, a, that's a good point. So what do you mean by that, trying to sell 997 packages with a five pound image? Because that's something in marketing I come across all the time where people are pitching themselves high um, but, but displaying themselves low. <laughs> yeah, you've got like your emotional and your logical buying decisions. So when people, if someone's looking at buying something that's 997, then you've got to think of like what's equivalent that my target audience might want that's the same value. So you think of 997, so you, the latest iPhones are at the same price. But look at the way that's packaged. Look at the way that's marketed. Mm. It's appealing. You can justify it quite easily, not just like emotionally, but also logically. But then if you compare it to someone who's saying, buy my online coaching, and they've just done, rushed it themselves in three minutes on Canva, then there's going to be a bit of a, a weight in the direction of the phone, even though they might not need it, and they might need the coaching more. The way it's portrayed in the image, it's just a turnoff. And when we're thinking of high ticket, we need to start thinking, of, let's really up our game and let's look the part and let's put some thought into how our brand looks. And a lot of people don't realize that every single post they put on social media is almost like a mini advert for the services. It's like a free advert. But if the advert's, you know, if the advert's crap, then no one's going to really click in and... and 
be intrigued and be hooked in by what you're going to say in the copy. So it could be a really good offer, but if it just doesn't get seen, no one's going to take it up. Yeah, yeah. What's going to break the scroll? What's going to stop someone from just skipping by? Exactly. So yeah, and that's what I focus on in general. It's it's just doing something that looks different, doing something that you know is going to stop someone's grab someone's attention. So a lot of people do see what I do and tend to put their own spin on it or some blatantly copy it. But then the first thing I do is change it. I'll do something else, put some animation in for the next few for a few images. And again, it's people still know it's me. But then they think, ah, why, why have you done that? Can you do that for me? Because it looks different. And people, although they don't like being different as such, they want to kind of blend in. If you want to stand out on social media, you need to be different. Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, particularly with, with fitness coaches, they, they each have their own niche. Um, and, you know, off the, off the top of my head, you've got uh, for mums who want to lose weight, you've got people who want to bulk you've got people who business owners that don't have time to exercise there's there's loads and loads and you can't just serve all of those audiences the same type of image no you can't and you know if you've got if you're someone who specializes in, in like back pain or if you're someone who specializes you know in like pre, uh, postnatal women then the way you where you target those can be completely different how you target you know teenagers or met, like guys in the 30s who, who want to regain the muscle they had when they're teenagers you know, it's that's why they need to put a bit more thought into it. So, following what someone else does in a completely different, uh, who has a different uh, target market, it's not going to be as appealable as they want. And they need to just pay a little bit more attention. Of if you know your target market inside out, then you'll know exactly what's going to appeal to them. Yeah. And if you don't, if there's a confusion, if you're in a transitional period, then you need to take a step back from posting generic things to think about what is really going to grab the attention. Like we're approaching November, December now. There's still a lot of, you know, there's a lot of money on the table for people to make buying into coaching programs. But the person decision is going to be weighted now. Is it going to be something that can wait till after Christmas? Because a lot of things to buy for the kids. Or it's something I need this now because the, that person knows, you know, he knows a solution to my problem or they know the solution to my problem and solve it for me. Yeah. Oh, you touched on the world's biggest fallacy there that people don't spend money in November and December. And, and the reality is people spend more money in November and December than they do at any other point in the year. And actually their wallet becomes the most open thing in their lives. <laughs> and uh, it's true. Well, we, we, we're talking to our clients and our prospects now about exactly that, that if you want someone to buy from you, now is the time. It's ignore yeah. what everyone else says. It's everyone. It, all your competitors are downing tools on the basis that people won't buy yeah. at this time of year. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to really capitalise, now's the time because people will have a scarcity mindset. No one buys at this time of year, and that's almost excusing them for putting the effort in to try and make the sales. And people will buy. People spend, you know, it is they spend more money this time of year than any other time of the year, bar holidays in the summer. And there's no reason why your coaching program or any any kind of package you offer isn't going to be on the table as well. The only way it's not going to be on the table is if you stop offering it as a service. Yeah, yeah. So like a, a big one for us, and I'm sure I'm sure you've probably done quite a few Black Friday graphics recently, but <laughs> but actually Black Friday is kind of the point where everyone else stops. They they get to yeah. Black Friday and then they're like, right, we'll wait till the January sale now. And that period there is that moment of opportunity that people don't realize is there. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people don't actually need to do the Black Friday sale. Um, mm. We know people, marketing people use it just to get rid of old stock. 
And if you want to devalue, so if you're offering like customized one-to-one service and you really want to, you know, down, downgrade yourself, then you can, you can offer one out, but people are still, still spending money. They just want value. They're not bothered about the discount they're going to get as long as it's the value. Yeah. And that's what the most important. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of coaches and consultants we speak to, we talk about offer a Black Friday bonus. Don't offer a Black Friday discount. Yeah. Exactly. If you if you can make you know you can increase the order value, or you can increase the perceived value by just adding things in that have either previously been used or previously been paid for that don't necessarily cost you anything, but adds extra value on top. So I'm not going to discount it, but what I will do, I'll add in this, this, and this, and then instantly the appeal's gone up from oh I'm not saving any money to oh I'm actually getting more than if I was to save some money, which is which is massive. Yeah, yeah. And a friend of ours does a smart move on the. Um gives you the rest of this year for free. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Again, again, that's, you know, a really good, a really good opportunity. If you, if you want to, you know, push on, like I said, this, I've, I've had people sign up for me this last week. Uh, I'm full again now. Um, and I'm not taking it on till next year, but if people were re- like, these are coaches who, who, at one time would have probably thought no one's going to sign up to now. So I'm not going to invest in a business, but these coaches come to me. I want to dominate this period. Which is, which is great. That's amazing. So how did you get into this game? Ha, so um, I don't know if you know, believe it or not, uh, I was a police officer for 14 years. Um, I left nearly four years ago to be a personal trainer. I love fitness industry. I've been in it for quite a long time. Um, eventually went part-time in the police, but it wasn't really working out. Um, it, was, it almost became resented for being at work at times because... Mm. The number of times you had to stay and work, had to cancel commitments outside of work, and that became just made the decision that um, actually Joe Parrish maybe just told me to basically. I said I was going to year in tw- uh, leave in twelve months, and he said, "Why don't you just do it now? What's going to change in twelve months' time?" I was like, "You know what? You're right." So I did. Um, but whilst I was coaching, I was always um, the person who was trying to make things look good for clients. So whether it was like onboarding documents, whether it was the way my social media was presented whether it was any kind of guides, ebooks, I was always the person who spent time to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and the Facebook covers being one, one. And then just over 18 months ago, someone reached out to me and said, listen, I hope you don't mind this out of the blue, but who designed your Facebook cover for you? I'd, you know, I'd like to know because it's really good. And I was like, well, I did it. So he said, well, you do me one. So yeah, why not? So I did him one. Then word of mouth spread and the person who does Facebook covers. But I did other things, but it was only when people started to ask about what else do you do. And then before, you know, I became the guy who just did everything for social media, from onboarding, from guides. Um, it's a bit of the go-to guy. Should I be offended that I've got a graphic design degree and, and this is your way into the market or not? I can't <laughs> say. You can be. <laughs> no, not at all. I've seen your stuff and it de- it definitely stands up. So you wouldn't you wouldn't be on the podcast if I if I was offended. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those. I've been doing it for quite a long time, not officially. Um, yeah. But I've, like since being like a kid, I've always been drawing things, always making things, designing things, and it's only when I actually got my hands on the tools how to do it properly, rather than with pieces paper and scissors and sellotape that actually learn that you can do a lot more and it's only by doing learning from your mistakes doing and spending hours and hours uh, within the different design tools and then eventually like ah you know you can really you can really work this yeah yeah for sure so how how does your business work now how's that packaged up because i know from what from what i've seen it's quite unique compared to uh, a design agency or a freelancer the way you've packaged it up is is very different 
Yeah. So when people work with me on a one-to-one basis, they work with me. They don't work with a team. Uh, they get the communication from me. Um, they uh, come to me with the content for the month. So we set, um, we set like, this is the target. We need like so many images a month from you. Then in turn, I either need the headline or the copy. Then I create the image and send it back to you. If there's any change that you're making, you send it back to me. And I'd say, what, 95% of the time, it's no, no changes needed. Let's just get it out there. And right. once... Yeah, so every month we have like a conversation on Zoom or on the phone, just talk about how was last month's performance, what images really stood out, which ones you want to capitalize on and use more, you know, how many saves did you get, how many shares, likes, comments. So go through the metrics. It's like, right, let's do more like this. Your target market really resonate with this style of imagery. Let's keep going down that route. So it's not a case of just, you know, design some templates and just changing the words. It's every single image is done from scratch. And it's specifically for that coach. So no matter where in the world they are, whatever market they're in, it's specific to them, branded to them. Um, whatever the typography is, whatever the color codes are, that's what we use. But then we sometimes think, right, we're going to put a spin on this. We're going to, you know, we're going to pass an interrupt. They know it's going to be you, but they're going to see something different. And it's, and that's when you kind of get that that light bulb moment of branding is really important to an extent, but sometimes on social media we need to go against that in order to really grab the scope. Because one thing I noticed last year was when lifestyle photography became really popular. So everyone was going jumping on like lifestyle shots, lifestyle stage lifestyle shots. <clears throat> and I've had one myself and they're great. But when everyone starts doing them, after a while, they kind of lose the impact. So you need to do something different with that. Where it's simple like color grading effect, whether you're gonna remove them half from the background or part of them, or you know, make them jump out of a mobile phone, something that's different still using the same high quality professional image and it's just that little bit of a pattern interrupt you need to stand out rather than just thinking i'm just going to post i'm just going to post this picture it looks good it looks nice because one thing that people don't think about is that when they post a nice like relationship photo or family photo and yeah i got 300 likes on that yeah but they might just say nice picture doesn't yeah, mean yeah, that's yeah. really good content i'm going to sign them next week you don't know that but if you're getting like 100 saves then you know oh that's a lot of value because people are saving it and they might never look at it again but the moment they saw that, they thought that's a value. I'm going to save it. So that's like, for me, a lot of people might disagree, but for me, that's a really important metric to look at. Yeah, for sure. I really like that. You're like um, a graphic designer that talks like a coach. And it, it's, a, yeah. it's a real different. You're not, um, you're not leaning on the fluffy side of it. I mean, I know, I know your images look beautiful, but it's, you're, you're always going back to the metrics. And from a, as yeah. a marketer, that's amazing because it's that, that's what I want to talk to people about. And very often, and, and I'm a shit for doing this. When I can't think of anything, I just post a picture of my dog on LinkedIn, and then, and then <laughs> somehow link the dog to the to the content. And I know it's going to get engagement, but it's false engagement because essentially people just like the look of my dog. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> algorithm boost and all. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The odd the odd like fake pattern interrupt essentially. But um, but what you're describing there is finding out what your niche engages with, doing yeah. more of that, and then the save bit is actually also you're providing them value. They're getting something for free that actually gives them something. Yeah, absolutely. And again, one thing I'm always doing, I don't, because I don't really follow many, I don't follow half as well, maybe a third of the number of people that follow me. And I don't have a great deal of followers, but I follow other industries to see what's working. What can I apply in the coaching industry that's not being used? Mm. 
And so it's that having the flexibility and just thinking ahead of like, right, a lot of people are starting to do this now, let's do something different. And the designer reached out to me recently and is like, why are you so busy and I don't get anyone? And it says like, I still, I give free business cards out and everything. I'm like, who are you targeting? It's like coaches. Well, they're online. What's a business card? You know, what's a printed business card going to do? You're offering things that maybe 20 years ago would have been, yeah, I'll have that as value. Yeah, yeah. But now it's a case of we need to think about what coaches need and they need more presence, more visibility, more clients and a business card that you, that is in your wallet or sticks in a box that you've had for, you know, five years isn't going to get you any sales. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think particularly post-COVID, coaches have become very switched on to the fact that they don't have to be local anymore. You no, know, absolutely not. You and I have both seen coaches who perhaps only operated within 30 miles of their home pre-COVID, and now they're working all over the world, from sometimes from their bedroom. So it's... Yeah. And, and the scalability of that is is fantastic. Um, and, you know, people are getting switched on to it. But like, as we said before, a lot of people are still in the kind of, they don't, they've got the blinkers on and mm. don't believe that you can actually scale far further than what you thought. I was once there when I was a coach and thought, why, why can't I, you know, why can't I'm struggling to break three grand a month here? Like there's something yeah. going on. How could people aren't really making, you know, six figures? They're not doing it. And it was my own limiting beliefs thinking, what was I, you know, the world was against me and all yeah. it wasn't it wasn't at all yeah. just the way i'd i'd position myself was wrong yeah yeah and i was i was scared to kind of step outside of what i do so now i'm i'm i'll show myself anywhere i'll do things that are different but back then it was i was almost like still in the police mindset of feeling judgment feel i can't say this can't say that and once you kind of break free and thinking actually i'm, I'm whoever i want to be then i think that's when you can really start to take off You've broke free of that very quickly because it took me eight years to get to that point. So, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think I'm in my eleventh year of business now, and the scaling has been in the last three years. But the first, the first eight years, the limiting beliefs and not I, almost like allowing myself to be a victim of my environment. And and I see that with yeah. clients now, where they're like, "Oh, well, my town is different," or everyone around here is narrow-minded and and it's just not true and then once you get above that like the world's your oyster and then obviously then you come you come into contact with people like yourself and and other coaches who are just doing things where it's like holy moly there's there's a there's a whole world out there and it and like there's abundance as well like like you say you're you're full and you almost have to choose how busy you are now and yet probably not working as hard as you did when you were in the police no no one here um the great thing is i can i can work with clients who really want to work with so we although i don't really do sales calls as such um like i'm very upfront with the prices and what what people get as part of an offer um and what they get as a service and i will have a call once on board just to set you know set the the tone set the standards of how it's all going to work but then i can i can pick and choose and if i'm going to take like Saturday off or Sunday off or a Wednesday off, I'm going to do that. Um, the clients respect that they know, like they're not going to WhatsApp me on a Saturday morning that, you know, saying, what should I do? This leg press is broken in the gym. I'm not going to get that. Cause I've, I've set the tone and set the standards, but yeah, when, when I was in the police, I, I don't know how I did it to be honest, the shifts and things like that, but you make at the time, that's all you know. And now it's, I do work hard, you know, don't go, I'm up, sit down and I'm just on the sure. laptop watching TV. I, I do, I do work hard, but there's periods where I can completely switch off, which took me a little bit of time to get used to, and it took me to get too busy 
to realize that I've taken on too much and then to, to pull back a little bit. And that was, that was just me getting a bit caught up in, wow, everyone wants to work with me. Yeah. Come on board, come on board. And then it comes to a point where actually, yeah, more people do want to work with me, but that's going to put my stress levels up. My creativity will go down, which isn't going to do me any favors. And it's not going to help the client get the clients that they want to get. So that's why it was that striking that balance. Yeah. And, and that's a nice place to be as well, because then you're, your internal dialogue is is about the impact you're having, not the money that you're making, and yeah, and you know because money is no longer an issue, and that's that's a that's like the dream place to be. So it is. So in terms of a coach just starting out or a consultant, and maybe they're really really good at what they do, so they're a brilliant personal trainer, maybe they're brilliant at speaking from the stage but they're absolutely shocking at social media. And there's plenty of them out there. What, what, oh, would, yeah. you, what, would, you, what would you say to them? There's so many good quality, quality coaches out there who are far better coaches than what I was, mm. and they're just not getting the kind of clients, I say deserve, or clients that they should be having, should they want them. There's a few things they need to know. They need to know, first of all, who their target market is. So just like in the gym, the people they work with, who do they really want to work with? They need to find a message that's going to resonate with them. So whether that's studying a little bit of copywriting, you know, finding how to get people to read the next line, because that's all copy is. It's going from one line to keep them on to the next to the next. So using open loops, asking more questions. Then when you get people to start reading your content, start building that relatability where they're going to think, ah, oh, you're the type of person like, oh, we've got some, you know, we've got things in common. We both like dogs or we like football or the same. Believe it or not, we, used to, we grew up in the same town. And when you start to build that kind of um, relationship, even though it's it's like an, you know online, you don't really know them, then you can start really starting to push the sales, and you can start using the imagery at the same time. Getting you know, if you're a lot of people are a personal brand, so getting your own face seen is going to be really important, and not hiding behind too many infographics and, and stock images. Just use them, every, you know, infrequently as a bit of a, a bit of a thumb stopper, and you can grow quite quickly. Um, just just doing what I did. And I just spoke about what works and I was helping people and giving out things for free and giving a bits of advice. And there's nothing stopping coaches giving, giving advice out and just jumping on rather than thinking like it's a trade secret. There are no secrets. You know, I could, I could, people come to me and say like, uh, how do you do that on Photoshop? I'm not telling you. Or I could just say, yeah, you just need to do this, need to do that because probably not going to be able to do it anyway, or they won't be able to, it'll frustrate them. Just, just help people, and then you're gonna you build that relationship up, and if you'll be the first person they go to when they do actually reach out, thinking, right, I'm gonna pay for this help now. Oh yeah, the amount of people that have asked me how to build a Facebook campaign, and then I told them, <laughs> and, and three hours later they're on the phone saying, "Can you do it? This is this is horrendous." <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the old, uh, "Can you build me? Can you build me a, a quick landing page?" Like there is no such thing as a quick landing page. You know, it's you. It's like, you know, is it, is a copywritten? Oh no, no. Can you not do that? And it's like, is, is the, have you got, do you know what you're going to say? Do you want the offers? Oh no, no. I just want a landing page. So you want a sales page, but you know, so it's like, then you can, you can give them, you can tell them what they need to know, but nine times out of 10, they're going to come back and say, well, you just do it for me. Yeah, for sure. And you touched on something in there that, that I probably shouldn't give this tip away, but, but it works really well. If you've got, um, Specific, a specific audience, particularly if you're using Facebook ads. So let's say you're uh, a postnatal fitness coach um, and 
you only want to target mums who want to get back in shape, a really cool thing to do with that audience is duplicate it and then add in the interests that you're interested in. So if you like Game of Thrones or you like football or you like Star Wars, add those in to your audience. It'll probably cost you a little bit more per lead, but when you talk to those people, they'll feel like they're the best friend you never had. And uh, yeah. we we use that all the time in our advertising. People come on and like they start chatting to Andy and Andy will mention Star Trek in the phone call, and they suddenly go, oh, do you like Star Trek? And then business talk goes out the window, customers on board, and all they've done is talk about Star Trek for 45 minutes. Yeah. But it's that relationship that people don't often get. So it's why um, in-person sales are often more successful than you know, remote or over Zoom, but if you can build that connection, then, then you're onto a winner. But a lot of people are too scared to go into that. They think it all needs to be sell, sell, sells. They're not talking to the forgetting about talking to the person rather than like yeah. the, the outcome rather than the actual human being involved yeah i think we've had like that 20 sort of like 20 years of this false professionalism where everyone's got a wall up and they you know they wear a shiny suit to work and or you know in the fitness industry they've got the latest gymshark outfit or, or whatever it might be <laughs> And now we like everyone's trying to unravel that now, and it's and it's much more about okay, who are you? What are you interested in? What are your motivations? And once you can get to the root of someone's motivations, you can help them way more. Whether you're a designer, a coach, a marketer, and and I love that. That's where it gets really interesting. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's like I wouldn't. I don't know if, if anyone else has kind of had this thing, but I wouldn't really work with anyone who wouldn't go for a beer with. You know, mm. if I was happy to go and sit sit down and have a beer or a pie or a, or a bite to eat or something, then I can work with them. But if it's someone who's, it would feel awkward and kind of the message has come through, I don't want to read it. And it's not going to give the buzz to go to work. And like, like genuinely, like now, if, if my if my WhatsApp lit up or something, I don't have any kind of apprehensive open up. It's going to be a good message rather than oh, what they're complaining about now. And that's the position I've always wanted to be in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think. Every business should be like that. If you're working with the right people, if they have got a complaint or feedback, they know how to frame it to get the best out of you as well. So they're not yeah. going to ring you up and read you the right act. They're not going to message you at half past eight on a Sunday night. It's it's that kind of positioning. And I think, again, going back to that false professionalism, we've all been taught to just get as many customers as we can in without vetting them first and... They're vetting you, so you're. Why not vet them? Yeah, and I think also set, setting the tone and the standards. Like people are still saying twenty four seven support, and that means you are giving people permission. You're almost encouraging people to message you whenever mm. they want. And um, that is like it's people are still putting it now. It's like stop putting that because you're going to get messages on a Sunday. You know, nine o'clock when you're trying to you know sit down with the family. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we we had an incident. Yes, an incident. That's a bit of an exaggeration. We had something happen yesterday <laughs> where Andy had a book call with someone and it was at 11 o'clock. And at 11 o'clock, he called them and they didn't answer. They called back at 11 minutes past and Andy didn't answer because he didn't want to set the tone that that was okay. And... uh We've had such a mixed reaction from that. We've gone out to some of our mentors, spoken to coaches, and it's about 50-50. Some coaches have been like, don't you want the sale? And other coaches have been like, you don't want that sale. And it's it's really, really interesting. That's, that's right. 
That is interesting because I've got uh, I've got like um, a one strike thing. So if someone books a call in with me and doesn't show up, then I'm not going to work with them because I, as harsh as that may seem to some people, I want reliability in my business, and mm. I don't want to be think if someone books in for a call, I want to be a genuine person who wants to work with me, not just kicking the tire or trying to get prices. Because I'll happily tell people my prices um, before as almost like a pre qualifier. Yeah, and. If someone sends me a message or and I message them back and saying this, 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 if they if they ghost or if they don't reply or if they say they'll get back to me and they don't, I'm not going to chase them. I don't want to chase. I'm not going to chase it. Contrary to what people say, I don't chase people because if I'm chasing them, it puts them in a position of power that he really wants me to work with him, and it's not that way at all. I want people to really want to work with me. It's not like playing hard to get. It's setting that standard of professionalism that I want reliability. I want people who want to work with who take it seriously in terms of business. And so if someone wants to work with me, if they, if they don't show up or that, let's obviously they've got a really good excuse. I'm not a headmaster, but I want to work with people who are generally going to show up on time. Uh, and that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit like the dating game. If, if you text someone and then an hour later you text them again and they haven't replied in between... <laughs> You've lost the game. You've lost the game. It's over. It's like you're forever. You're the one that chased them, and it's yeah. it, there is there's definitely a bit of that about it. But it's also just kind of old fashioned courtesy as well. That you, this is the time we agreed to talk. Unless prior to that, you let me know. Then it's it's a tricky one to yeah. to justify. And you know, I'm fine with someone saying. I can't make the call at 11. My kid's got to go to the doctors. The, fine, let's yeah. rearrange. That's that's completely reasonable. But ring me 10 minutes later. Oh, sorry, I was stuck on another call. Well, then this call wasn't important enough for you. And and that's an indicator for me that I haven't done my job properly either because I haven't impressed how important the call is. And so, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's an interesting dilemma. It- it is, but also it's the people who do it are the ones that tend to complain about that being done to them. So like, oh, send me information out and people never get back to me. And it's, the chances are you might be doing that the same to other people yourself, but you just don't, you've not put yourself in that position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely two schools of thought on that. And I think you and I are lying on it. <laughs> it's, it's <good. laughs> yeah, it looks like it. So. You've been an awesome guest. I think there's loads of value in this podcast for people. There's a question I ask all guests that I haven't prepped you for. What's your favourite film and why? Ooh, that's putting me on the spot. I actually like, um, you've seen Falling Down, yeah. Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. Life for some me- reason- my life mirrors that quite a lot. So. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason, I just, I kind of really feel like that guy who goes into Burger King or, or, you know, Whammy Burger and does not understand why they can't serve breakfast before, you know, a certain time. And I just sometimes felt like when I was younger, that that's the way my life was. Everything was just against me. Uh, yeah, I could watch it over and over again. Yeah, oh, I love that. That's the first time anyone said that. And it's uh, Andy compares me to Michael Douglas in that quite a bit because <laughs> my my tolerance for nonsense is quite low. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the same. And, I don't and, know if that's a police thing or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like the bullshit radar is, is strong. So, like, yeah. I'm, I'd, be all right with, I'd be all right with McDonald's telling me they can't serve breakfast until 5 a.m. or something. I get there's a system and they can't 
turn certain things on and off. Like that's fine. But when somebody says, I don't know, they'll be like, Oh, sorry. I had to take my dog for a walk. And I'm just like, come on, come on. I can feel it boiling (laughs) up inside me. Right. I'm going to the army surplus store. You're having it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think that, and, um, there's a clever film I like with, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, catch me if you can. Yeah, yeah, I really like that too. I, I just like it because it's quite, it's just really clever. It's, tr- um, it's a true story as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. And uh, so I like, I'm not a massive film buff, like you caught me on the spot there, but those are two I probably, yeah. You're not a film buff, but then you cho- chose two great films, so. Well, I just must, <laughs> quality over quantity, that was Nailed it, it. Be. nailed it. <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, I've really enjoyed that. No, thanks for having me, mate, it's been great, thank you.